While they're uh, moving out, I want you to grab a hold of your Bibles right now, um, whether it's a, a digital Bible or a paper Bible, whatever it is that you have. I hope you have something where you can follow along as we look through the Scriptures tonight. And um, we are continuing on the series that we began several months ago uh, called Upside Down, based on the passage of Scripture where uh, one of the opponents of the church said, check it out. The uh, uh, the church is turning the world upside down. Amen. And uh, we believe that the New Testament church should uh, invert the values of the world that we are in and uh, people should be impacted by it. Uh, tonight, we are going to begin focusing on something called doctrine. And uh, we will be looking at specific doctrines uh, from now through the end of the year. But tonight... We're going to talk about what doctrine is, why it's important, and seven important facts about doctrine. And I want to start by reading from Second Timothy uh, chapter number 4, beginning at verse number 1. And uh, remember that this is uh, a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was a young man who was growing up as a minister under the mentorship of the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, uh, beginning in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and Doctrine. The word doctrine here means teaching with long suffering and doctrine, repro reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Verse 3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They uh, will not, um, uh, they, they will not be willing to experience solid teaching. But after their own lusts, or following their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I want to read verses 3 and 4 in the uh, uh, New Living Translation or the NIV. I can't remember which one it is. But uh, in verse 3 it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And the Apostle Paul, in the spirit of prophecy, said this is what's going to happen in the future to Timothy. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, <clears throat> This is directly following the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 and Peter's sermon. And uh, verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers, devote, they, they were, another translation that says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Doctrine is teaching. And so what they were doing here is, they, is the apostles were fulfilling the great commission that, God, that, that Jesus Christ had given them ten days earlier when he said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. They were to go preach the gospel, baptize people, and teach them to observe all the things that Jesus had passed on to them. So, this is what doctrine is about. It is about solid teaching, solid teaching from the Word of God. Jesus, we pray 
that for the next few moments you would enable us to speak your word in a clear manner. Help us do it quickly, Lord Jesus, and let people's spirits be impacted by the word that is preached today. And Lord, like every meal strengthens and nourishes our body, I pray that this word today would strengthen and nourish the spirit man of every person under the sound of my voice. I pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful name, and everybody shout out, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The world that uh, we live in today in 2014 is uh, a postmodern world. And um, the word postmodernism is a word that doesn't make sense to most people, but I'll simplify it for you. Postmodernism is a philosophy that says absolute truth does not exist. There's no such thing as absolute truth. And uh, in our culture in 2014, the prevailing philosophy that's influencing media, influencing the classroom, the college classroom, and uh, influencing our children, and um, subtly influencing us as well, is this idea that there is no such thing as an absolute truth. There are some words uh, that I'll throw out to you that have to do with the philosophy of the day and the spirit of the day in postmodernism. One of them is a word called relativism. Relativism simply means what is right for you may not be right for me. Uh, so what is truth for you may not be truth for you, uh, f- for me. And, uh, and then another word that, that essentially means the same thing uh, is the word pluralism. Pluralism. Uh, pluralism, as relates to uh, religion, theology, is that all religions are equally valid. So the philosophy of the day is postmodernism, relativism, pluralism, and the idea being that everyone's ideas or thoughts or beliefs are equally legitimate. And uh, so you can see where the idea or, or the philosophy of the day stands in stark contrast to the idea of sound doctrine and solid biblical teaching. See, the problem is, is Jesus Christ claimed that he was the only way to heaven. He said, no man cometh to God except through me. And if you wanted to uh, study a religion that reflects the mood of the day, it would be Hinduism. Because Hinduism is the religion of pathways. And it is the belief that there are various ways to get to oneness with God. Kind of like if uh, uh, oneness with God or connection with God could be described as a mountaintop, there are various ways that you could reach the mountaintop. And uh, each way is legitimate because it arrives At the same location or you could picture a big wheel with various spokes that are leading to the center. This is uh, the idea of pluralism or more specifically in this uh, religious context, uh, Hinduism. But Jesus Christ preached an exclusive message saying that he was the only way to God. And the reason that it's uh, all or nothing with Jesus Christ is because he was not a prophet He was not a teacher, but he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the only one that there ever would be. The only pathway, the only door, the only way, the truth and life was through Jesus Christ. And so those that believe, those that are true Christians that believe in the exclusive message of Jesus Christ are under a tremendous amount of pressure in culture today because what we believe is absolutely at odds with the philosophy of the day, pluralism, relativism, postmodernism. So the thing that uh, I, I want to drive home tonight, and I feel God prompted me to drive home in your hearing, is whether or not doctrine matters, whether or not teaching matters, whether or not it matters that we have a system of beliefs that we ascribe to and we embrace. I know the spirit of the day says it really doesn't matter what this person believes or what they believe. Uh, that's their business. And our only responsibility is to love everybody. 
And of course, the Bible teaches us the importance of love. Amen. Uh, But there has to be a balance uh, of love and truth. uh, Because if the truth is that the building's on fire, right? Uh huh. Then you don't love somebody by letting them stay in their seat. You love them by saying, hey, the problem is the building's on fire. And I'm going to grab you by the hand, even if you're comfortable where you are, and say, let's get out of the building. See, that's the deal. We believe the truth of the Word of God, that there's a wide path that leads to destruction and a narrow way that leads to everlasting life. And few people are going to find it, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be led to it. Amen? Praise God. And so our uh, responsibility as believers of absolute truth uh, is to love people and to share, as the Bible says, the truth in love. Doctrine is the same as truth. And the Bible says that true worshipers have to worship in spirit and in truth. And I know that there is a movement afoot that says, let's just follow the leading of the spirit uh, and not spend any time establishing the foundation of doctrine because doctrine is divisive. Uh, But the Bible says true worshipers worship in spirit uh, and in truth. Uh, It's not enough just to follow the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Uh, You've got to stay linked to the foundation of Scripture because you can be deceived otherwise because everything that feels like the spirit ain't the spirit right the bible speaks of strong delusion that people who don't receive a love of the truth could be deceived by and and the bible says repeatedly ephesians 4:15 it says we are to share the truth in love so uh, it, when the Bible speaks of truth, it's, it's uh, synonymous with sound doctrine, and it's also synonymous with the true church. Peter said, talked about the way of truth. Uh, and uh, the Bible says, I, I take joy that my children walk in truth, or I testify of truth, or I walk in truth. So truth is a lifestyle. It's a belief system. It is a doctrine that we are to be established in. So I want to get into seven quick statements or truths or facts about doctrine. And I only have about three or four minutes on each of them. uh, But there's a lot of Bible verses that I'm going to give you. So if you want to take these down and go study them later uh, so that you will be able to be fully equipped Uh, in understanding why doctrine is important. The first fact is, is kind of a definition, okay? Point number one, sound doctrine is systematic biblical truth. That's what sound doctrine is. It says, remember we uh, read earlier, it says, the time's coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. Well, what is sound doctrine? Sound doctrine is simply systematic Biblical truth established from the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it is breathed by God. All right? And the way that I like to describe this so people can understand is whenever someone plays an instrument, uh, there's people who can play four or five different instruments, right? And they may play a trumpet. They may play a clarinet. They may play a French horn, and they uh, uh, may play a tuba. And each of them is going to sound different, but it's the same person that's breathing it. And they're controlling what's coming out. And so um, the same is true with the Word of God. Even though you have various authors that were instruments in the hands of God, and their personality and writing style comes through, just like the different sound of the different instruments, it is the Spirit of God that is breathing and controlling the instrument in the Word of God. So that's a good way to understand what it's saying. Inspired of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All of the Bible is profitable for teaching. So this is the the one point I want you to get. When the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was speaking of the Old Testament, right? Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. In another place, he gave equal footing to his writings as well. But here he is saying all Scripture is profitable for 
doctrine. So when we're talking about what doctrine is, it is systematic biblical truth, both Old Testament and New Testament. And you see a progression, kind of a building of doctrine in the Bible. It basically starts out with the law of Moses. That's the foundation of our doctrine, right? The Ten Commandments, how to respond to God, how to treat each other. It starts with the Ten Commandments and the law. And then it progresses. And in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see many references to the doctrine of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus, which is a fulfillment of the Old Testament law. It's building another layer, right, on the Old Testament law. And then finally, we see something called the Apostles' Doctrine. Now, are these different teachings? Are the Apostles teaching something different than what Jesus taught? And is Jesus teaching something different than what was given on Mount Sinai? In principle, they are the same. But it is a progressive revelation of teaching. And if you don't have the foundation of the law, a lot of the teaching of Jesus won't make sense. And if you don't look at the teaching of Jesus, then a lot of what you see the apostles teaching in the book of Acts or in the epistles won't make sense. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are profitable for creating systematic doctrine. So when we talk about Doctrine. It is a foundation of biblical teachings that tells us what to believe about God and how we're supposed to live our lives, basically. So it includes the Godhead. More specifically, this uh, uh, study of who Jesus was called Christology. Everybody say Christology. Who was Jesus Christ? Answers the question. He was a man and he was God. It covers also salvation from Old Testament to New Testament. We get a foundation of salvation. The Bible also talks about how we're supposed to live our lives as a believer. This is all a part of doctrine. It's teaching us how to live in this world. And within that lifestyle includes the kinds of attitudes we should have, how we should treat other people, what kind of things we should say and not say, even our appearance, uh, even how we handle our finances. These kinds of lifestyle things are doctrines or teachings from the Word of God. And then also uh, it would include church etiquette. Uh, the things that uh, we are to do and how we're to handle and manage the gifts of the Spirit. All of these things are teachings from the Bible, right? And so these are things that we are to understand and have a foundation on so that we won't be deceived. All right? Now, this is not things we have to make up. We can't teach the commandments of men as a doctrine. They have to be scripturally inspired or directed. One thing I want to just emphasize here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul. New Testament Apostle Paul talking about the Old Testament law. In verse 8, he said, We know that the law is good when used correctly. Right? So some people say, well, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us today. The Old Testament does apply to us today when used Correctly, The law was not intended for people who do what's right. It's for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. And, uh, and then uh, it goes on to say, uh, this law is for people who are sexually immoral, who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. The Old Testament law is a part uh, of doctrine if it is used correctly. Understanding the difference between the ceremonial law uh, the uh, civil law and what, what, what relates to us today, which is the moral law, the morality of a man. So, first of all, this is point number one. Sound doctrine is systematic biblical truth. Understanding what the Bible has to say about salvation, about God, about our life, about how we're supposed to live and about how the church is supposed to function. Everybody got that? 
Can we go to point two? All right, point number two. Fact number two. Sound doctrine requires obedience. Obedience. It's not just a matter of uh, of knowing doctrine, but it requires obedience. And I'll look at a couple of verses here. Romans six seventeen. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. The, the Apostle Paul here is commending the Roman people and saying, you're blessed because when the teaching came, you obeyed it. You took it and applied it to your life. It wasn't just something that you sat and studied. But it's something that you put into practice in your life once it was delivered to you. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected so doctrine teaching from the word of god is to be applied to our life and obeyed are you guys still with me now teaching is to be obeyed in first timothy 2 4 says who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth or as someone would say the saving Knowledge. It is an understanding that brings us to salvation. But it's all about obeying sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is solid biblical teaching. And secondly, sound doctrine requires obedience. It's not enough just to know it. Can we go to point three? Point number three. Sound doctrine transforms one's life. Now, I know we put a lot of emphasis on the regeneration that happens to us through the Holy Spirit, right? But nobody will even hear about the Holy Spirit without sound doctrine, without teaching. And I believe that sound doctrine is what preserves the experience of the Holy Ghost. Because you watch when people deviate from sound doctrine, they lose the experience I don't mean an individual loser. I'm talking about a movement. Just like my uh, great aunt talked to my dad and called him Ronnie. I've never called him Ronnie before. She said, Ronnie, I don't know what to do. We were raised in this church. In this church, everybody used to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But none of my grandkids have received it. Uh, They're good kids, but none of them have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I don't know where to send them to receive it. This was a Pentecostal movement that was born in Azusa Street just like uh, this Pentecostal movement. But the problem was uh, the, the, the doctrine did not preserve the experience. Uh, it's the teaching that preserves the experience and doctrine transforms one's life. Let's look at what the Bible says. Second Timothy 3.17 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work but you have to look at the verse before verse number 16 uh, to get the context all scripture is given by inspiration of god is profitable for doctrine reproof correction instruction and righteousness and then verse 17 says that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works the doctrine of the bible perfects us right Not just the work of the Spirit, but also the teaching of the Word of God. Takes us and perfects us so that we can do what God's called us to do. Amen. And some people uh, may have the misconception uh, that uh, I'll just get alone with God and have encounters in the Spirit until I'm fully perfected. But the Bible teaches that along with the work of the Spirit, that we must get into the Word of God and understand doctrine so that we will be fully furnished to every good work. Do you believe that? Shout amen. Amen. And then uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 18. We just read verse 17. It says, You're blessed because you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 
Look at verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. The context of this passage is you used to be a servant of sin. You were a slave to sin because you obeyed it. You followed your flesh. But because you obeyed the doctrine, you were then set free from being a servant to sin, and you became a servant of righteousness. You got a new yoke. Amen. The yoke of Jesus Christ or the yoke of righteousness, that light yoke, that easy yoke. Praise God that Jesus said, come unto me. Amen. You've been carrying the yoke of sin, but I want to give you the yoke of righteousness. But notice the Bible here says it was after you obeyed the doctrine that was delivered. Once you embraced the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of the law, the teaching of the apostles, the systematic biblical understanding, then your life was changed. That's powerful, isn't it? In 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, Unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. You have purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth through the Spirit. So we see this connection. Spirit, truth. Your soul, amen, is purified through Spirit and truth. So guess what? Give yourself a little pat on the back for being here tonight uh, because this is part of God's plan for you, for you to be perfected by having an understanding of what the Bible teaches and obeying what the Bible teaches about your life and being spirit-filled. All right. Number 4. Number 4. Another fact about sound doctrine. Sound doctrine produces revival. Sound doctrine produces revival. Now, we know the importance of prayer, and we know the importance of faith. But look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 28. The, the uh, um, <clears throat> Jewish leaders were angry at the apostles, Peter and John. And look at what they said. Didn't we command you that you should not teach in his name? We said, we'll let you out of jail. You'll escape persecution or prosecution, but don't teach in his name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem, not with your miracles or your testimony, but with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Here is the point. Uh, The point is these men were concerned, not for the miracles, not for the supernatural display, because the miracles and the supernatural display brought about a flurry of interest. Uh, But it was the doctrine that they were concerned about, because when the city of Jerusalem was was filled with the doctrine or teaching of Jesus Christ, they knew that their days as the power brokers in Jerusalem were numbered. Amen. Because doctrine produces or brings or establishes or fortifies revival in our midst. I want to make this point again because uh, I want us to understand this, uh, that a church uh, that once had the baptism and the move of the Spirit uh, that does not teach uh, and hold on to sound doctrine will not only lose doctrine, but they will lose the experience as well. Amen. Praise God. How many want to feel Monrovia with the doctrine of Jesus Christ? Amen. Hallelujah. Point number five. We are to become well established in sound doctrine. The Bible teaches that you, not just me, Not just a handful, but we are to become well established in sound doctrine. Let's look at this passage, Ephesians chapter 4. You hear this referenced a lot about the fivefold ministry. Verse 11 apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are they for? What is this man with a microphone for? (laughs) It is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And for the building up or strengthening of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. 
This is powerful. Verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Every new teaching or every different teaching that comes along, you know. What is it? Have you ever seen a tumbleweed? You ever been to Bakersfield? I remember I was in Bakersfield one time for youth convention, and I saw what looked like an old dried-up Christmas tree rolling down the road. Massive thing. It's a tumbleweed. Have you ever been to West Texas? You see them. They roll across the ground, and they stack up at the fence lines. Tumbleweeds. What are they? They are rootless. They are blown about by every wind that comes. And the Bible says God's plan is that that would not be you but that you would be firmly established in truth, that you would understand the gospel, that you would understand the message of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that these winds of doctrine are by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. They lie in wait to deceive. They're looking for somebody who doesn't know what they believe so they can believe them or deceive them. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Jesus Christ, even Christ. So God's plan is that you, you would be well established in sound doctrine, in biblical teaching. Now I know back during the dark ages, it was only the priests that understood doctrines. Only the priests that had a Bible. Only one per city a lot of times was all the Bibles that they had because they had to be written out by hand. But thank God that you've got a Bible. Amen. If you don't have one, see me. I'll hook you up. You've got an opportunity to study it yourself. You can come here and we'll go through the Scriptures and look at what they have to say so that you will not be subject to the slight of men who lie in wait to deceive and blow you off course for their own benefit. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Once again, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Amen. Sometimes you've got to stay put and put down some roots. By understanding the Word of God and growing in your relationship with God, don't be carried around with diverse and strange doctrines. There's a lot of sensational things that come blowing through to capture people's attention. Prophets and apostles and people saying this gibberish and that gibberish. Amen. And if you are not established in truth, in the Word, you can be just blown right into it. Here's a new, new prophet. Here's another word coming along. Wow, look at this. This is exciting. Isn't this fun? And five years later, you're no further than you were. In fact, you've gone backwards. Because you have got to be established. It is a good thing to be established with grace, to have a firm foundation in sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? It's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, using the law correctly. Rightly dividing the word of truth, understanding the dispensations, understanding the difference between the moral law and ceremonial law so that people can't use the word to get you into some kind of funky belief system where you're uh, uh, not eating this meat and, and, and eating this meat and not eating this and not drinking this and all of these types of things uh, and uh, all of these ideas of observing special things and days and so forth. That's what it was back then, that there's all of these people that are trying to get new followings to follow them with new ideas. But you, you, you study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 3, 5. The Bible says that there would in the last days be those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. 
from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is that? That means somebody chasing rabbits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be going there, but you're chasing rabbits. And you never get there, right? Now, we're always growing in God and growing in our understanding. But there's that basic foundation of truth that we've got to get in order to really begin growing. And there are people that never get that basic foundation of, of systematic biblical teaching to be able to grow spiritually. And in the meantime, they're chasing rabbits here and there and everywhere, ever learning. It's not that they're not interested in spiritual things. It's not that they're not interested in the Bible. But the problem is, is they never got established and they got linked up to those that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. The Bible says don't follow those types of people. And, and when it's talking about power, it's not talking about hikamoshai, I'm going to speak a, a miracle over your life. It's talking about the power to change lives through the gospel, right? Transformation. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I think we've made this point scripturally firmly. We are, we, all of us, are to become well-established in sound doctrine. Uh, Number six, and and this kind of links up to number five, sound doctrine must be non-negotiable. Okay? And what does that mean? We, We have to get the doctrine in our spirit, in our heart, and then decide, even if it's inconvenient, I'm not negotiating with sound doctrine. Even if my family changes what they believe, I'm not negotiating with sound doctrine. Even if relationally it becomes inconvenient. See, the problem is people negotiate with things based on convenience. Uh-huh. But sound doctrine has to be something that we say, I'm holding on to. I'm getting a hold of it. I'm digging in deep, man. I'm, I'm clawing into it. I'm putting my fingernails in it. Amen? Non-negotiable. First uh, Timothy 1.3. As I besought thee to abide at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Don't teach any other doctrine than what the apostle established in, uh, uh, in Ephesus. Amen. So he's telling Timothy, I want you to stay there and make sure that they teach no other doctrine. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. This is pretty powerful language. I just want you to note the intensity of the language. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Man, that runs right in the face, if you, if, you, if you think about it, of the pluralistic mindset of our world today. They'd be like, man, what you talking about? Seriously? If somebody is preaching and teaching something different than what the Bible teaches, let him be accursed? That's what the Bible says. And, and look, he said, just so you get it, let me say it again. As I said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Second John uh, chapter one verse nine. Second John chapter one verse nine. It says, "Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine." Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Is that not pretty extreme right there? Do you know who wrote that? John the Beloved. The one that went around hugging everybody. The one who had his head laying on the chest of Jesus Christ. He said, the doctrine of Jesus Christ is the only doctrine that has power. And you have better have it established in your spirit that if someone comes speaking or preaching another doctrine, 
He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. He's not your comrade. Don't link arms with him and don't bid him Godspeed because then you're also a partaker in what he's doing. Everybody say, wow. Second Timothy, I got 11 seconds left. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 10 says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Think about that. Not just that they received the truth, but they need to receive a love of the truth that they might be saved. And it says, because they didn't, in verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Boy, that's a hard one to read right there. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in, righteous, in, in unrighteousness instead. So the, the point that the Bible is, the Word of God is just driving home like a hammer, is this is important. Doctrine and understanding of the truth of the Word of God is critically important. And so what do we do? Verse 15 tells us the summation of the matter. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions, or another translation, the teaching which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Hold on to it steadfast. Another translation says, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Last point, point number seven. This is just so you know. The Bible says sound doctrine will become unpopular. Sound doctrine will become unpopular, not maybe. It will. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now that's not necessarily when you think of doctrine of the devil, you're thinking maybe like the pitchfork and the horns and uh, satanic worship or satanic Bible. I, I believe the doctrines of devils here is deception, right? Deception, the idea that a person can live however they want to and still be saved. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4. This is what we started out with. Verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The last thing that I want to look at in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I know, man, I've overloaded you guys with scriptures tonight. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is about the end times. And it's about the appearance of the Antichrist, right? But in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it refers to him as the man of sin. Or a better translation is the man of lawlessness. The man that says no law necessary. He's done away with the Old Testament law or, or, or uh, obeying God. And it says uh, in verse 5, some powerful verses here. Um, verse 4 talks about the man of lawlessness. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that's called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Verse 5, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back. Now you know what's holding the man of sin back. So that he may be revealed at the proper time. Something's holding him back. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he be taken out of the way. Many people believe that is the true church. Is what's holding back the revealing of the man of sin. But once the true church is taken out of the way, then the man of sin 
will be revealed. And the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And then verse 13, yet always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, Verse 15, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. The last thing I want to share with you is from this passage, the Bible says that the, the mystery of iniquity or the big secret of lawlessness is working already. But the man of sin or the man of lawlessness will not be revealed until the thing that's holding him back is taken out of the way. Most people believe that the thing that's holding him back is the church that still has sound doctrine. Because understand what the mystery of iniquity or the secret of lawlessness is doing. It is eroding away any belief in absolutes. What is absolute absolute truth? It is the spirit of the day that I talked about you at the beginning. This idea of pluralism that everybody's belief is legitimate and everybody's belief is equally true even if they're contradictory beliefs they're both truth they're all truth for people it's all relative to them this is the mystery of lawlessness the secret work of lawlessness at work already in the world today and guess what the antichrist message is going to be just the same but his message is not going to be revealed in my opinion Until the church is taken out of the way. And how is the church going to be taken out of the way? We shall not all sleep. (laughs) Amen. But we will rise again to meet the Lord in the air. Praise God. The rapture of the church will usher in the lawlessness or this man of sin because, because there is something stubborn in the way. This is the way I explain it to people to help them grasp this point. This secret of lawlessness is the forerunner to the Antichrist, right? Just like John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist went before Jesus Christ to prepare the way for him. And the Bible says he was bringing down the high spaces, bringing up the low spaces, straightening out the crooked spaces. He was like a bulldozer preparing for a road to be paved, right? says he was creating a pathway for the Lord. That's what John the Baptist did, the forerunner of the real Christ. So guess what the forerunner of the Antichrist is going to do? The forerunner of the Antichrist is to bring down every high space, to bring up every low space, to straighten out every crooked space, to knock everything out of the way that would oppose the spirit of Antichrist and then the revelation of the Antichrist. That's why you feel the pressure that you feel in the world today, and you feel the pressure. Our kids feel it in the classroom, in the college classroom and, uh, and, and and the pressure being applied by media that there's something wrong with us that we have not graduated yet uh, to a modern philosophy if we still believe that there is only one truth and one way and we are established on sound doctrine and we believe strongly in sound doctrine. The pressure is not going to let up. The pressure is going to intensify. That's why the Bible says be steadfast and unmovable. Fall in love with the truth. Get a hold of this doctrine. Amen. Because the Bible says uh, uh, that, that uh, even the elect will scarcely be saved. So there's got to be some, you got to have some roots in 2014. You got to know what you believe in 2014. Amen. Maybe 60 years ago it was good enough to say, well, this is what my daddy believes, but that's not going to work today. Now you got to know. Amen. You got to be established and you got to understand the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the law and the doctrine of the apostles. Amen. Praise God. So that's why we're going to be teaching on doctrine from now to New Year's. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person here. 
tonight that's come to hear and learn your word. I pray, Jesus, that, uh, that their level of being able to absorb the word would be enhanced and increased as they take this word home with them. Let something be established in their spirit. And God, I pray. Here, here's what I'm asking, Lord God. Let the people in this house begin to develop an appetite and a hunger to understand doctrine and to understand teaching and to put it into practice in their life, whether it's the doctrine of the Godhead or, or, or the doctrine of salvation, Lord Jesus, or, or specifically the doctrine of lifestyle and, and teaching, Lord God, and the holiness and separation. I pray in the name of the Lord, let there be an appetite for your word to understand what your word has to say about our lives, Lord God, and let our church be stronger. Let's fill Monrovia with the doctrine of Jesus Christ uh, and this region with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord, we pray. And everybody shout out, Amen. Amen. God bless. You're dismissed. Brother, oh, wait, 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 wait. Brother Ulysses. Thank you. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, Amen. Uh, you may be seated. It's not going to take more than a minute, but you don't have to be standing. It's up to you. Um, the first announcement uh, that we wanted to bring to you, and I got to pull my calendar here, is uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, right? Although we're we should we're grateful each and every day. Um, so, Sister Charlene Thorpe, who I know is here somewhere, she stepped outside. She is um, going to be coordinating a Thanksgiving dinner and celebration that we're going to have here. So that's going to be during our midweek service on Tuesday, November 25th. Amen? Amen. So just be a part of that. Sign up to bring chips, salsa, soda, turkey, something. And let's have a good celebration. Amen? It'll be a time for us to gather together and give, give thanks to our Lord. Uh, the second thing is uh, this coming uh, Saturday from 9 uh, to 12, uh, Dr. Charlie uh, has brought an initiative, and Life Church is doing big things. Amen. We've partnered with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, and they're going to be giving free flu shots. It's going to be a great way for us to introduce Life Church to the community because as people are coming in, they're going to be talked about Life Church and who we are. And I believe Brother Charlie has about 10 of you helping him to do that. Amen. The last announcement is uh, we have our organizational retreat uh, this weekend uh, beginning on Friday. So if you are a coordinator or a director, this is a reminder that you must be here by 6.30 p.m., 6.15, 6 o'clock will be just fine. Uh, but we want to be able to start on time, so we'll, uh, we need every director and coordinator to be here at that time. And the following day, uh, we are going to have individual meetings with each department leader and their team members. So if you're wondering if you need to be here, please see your director or you can see me after service. But I just want to emphasize on behalf of pastor and the leadership this weekend, it's going to be very important. Uh, the Browns um, already had a, a small meeting on Sunday night and, and, and vision it just God's just he's speaking. Amen. And we're inviting you to be a part of the conversation because we're going to lead together. Amen. We're going to continue to speak this message together that Jesus Christ, he is alive today. Amen. He is the hope of the world. Amen. And that he has the answer. Now you may be dismissed. And on behalf of the Life Kids staff, please pick up your children. Thank you very much.